The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. take a few minutes this morning and just talk to you about the heart of the Father. From the book of Psalm 103 and verse 13, it says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. The Amplified says, as the Father loves and pities his children, so the Lord loves and pities those who fear him with reverence, worship, and awe. It will say reverence, worship, and awe. Now, when you look at many people in the religious world, they, they come to worship God and they will come to a service but they're not really involved in the worship, and many are not involved really with reverence, and they're not in awe of God. Now, I've watched that even all the years of traveling and being in churches, and you get into the service, and the worship is going, and the anointing's so strong, and I've watched the pastor just walk up and change the whole thing. Like there was, it was like he had no clue where the service was. He was, he was going to get up and just walk right up in the middle of the anointing and go, well, are you happy to be here today? And I'm thinking, what are you doing? It's like he had no clue. If you notice, everything about the river service is about a flow. Are you with me? So there's certain times where it's not the time to get up How's everybody doing? That's not the time. Because if you're worshiping the king, you're in awe. So it would be like this, okay? Let's say a family is sitting around and a father is talking to the children. And the children are speaking to the father. And a stranger walks right up and interrupts the whole thing. And says, hey, isn't it great to have this whole family together here today? And the father really if, if, should say, why did you just shut up? I'm actually busy with my children right now. So that's how I see. When I look at church, I look at it differently to the way that ministers look at A lot of ministers look at it's just a ceremony. It's just a service. You've got to get up now. I've got to take over the service. I've got a couple of announcements to make. There's certain times where you can forget the announcements. There's certain times where it's impossible because everything's about a flow. And out of respect and reverence for the Heavenly Father, are you with me? You can't, somebody say, well, I just, can I say something? No. <laughs> it's not the time nor the place. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So maybe I see things a little different because there have been many times I've gone to church and I've got to preach and I'm watching the pastor get up there with no regard, no concern about God. He's going to run his service regardless. So they're going to run that one-hour dry cleaning service in by 10, out by 11. They're going to ram through what they have to do. I mean, you, if, when I get up there, they've got their whole service mapped out. They even got the time when I'm supposed to finish, and they've got a clock there which tells me when I'm supposed to be, be done. Now, there have been some places where I've you know, complied because I loved the pastor and I wanted to come and bless the people. But there are many times when that just, that just pushes me over the edge because I realize there's no reverence here for God whatsoever. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him with reverence, who worship him, and who come in awe. I stand here today and tell you that in all the years of serving the Lord, I'm more in awe of him today than I was when I started out. 
I'm overwhelmed by his goodness. Now, we know for a fact when we study the word that Jesus came to show us the Father because the world didn't know him. The world didn't understand God. That's why God sent his son. He didn't send an angel. He sent his son. He sent Jesus. In John 14 and verse 9, Jesus said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, I am a representative of my Father. As a Christian, as a believer, to whom the Lord has come and made his home on the inside of you, you are a representative of your heavenly Father. Are you with me? In other words, if the world is going to see Jesus, they're going to have to see him through you. Somebody said more than they're going to go to hell. <laughs> Look, stop, stop making excuses for your carnality. It doesn't matter where you come from, where you were raised or whatever. That's the past. The new birth changes everything. And there's nothing we can't fix with a good water baptism. And we can hold you longer if needed. And then surely as you come up out of the water, the Holy Ghost coming upon you and getting on every fiber and every cell, even down to the very marrow of your bones. Can you say amen? Now, as I was praying about this, and we're talking about fathers today, and I was talking about really a godly fathers. I believe we, we're surrounded and we have godly fathers here today. Can you say amen? amen? To be a godly father, we need to be born from above. Somebody said, well, how did that happen? The day you gave your life to Jesus, you were born from above. Amen. That means you're a godly person. That means you're a saint. Say this of me. I'm a saint. I'm not an ain't. Amen. Some people are ain'ts. I ain't doing that. I ain't going there. I ain't saying this. I ain't saying that. No, you're a saint. You are set apart by God, anointed by him to do his plan and purpose. Therefore, if you are a godly father, you have his heart. And this is something that he will work in you. God will work his heart in you. This is a relationship. And the only way I can describe it to you, when I had that open vision and the fire came into the room at 10 minutes past two in the morning, I felt the heart of God, which is very hard to even put into words. But when you feel his heart, and then I not only felt his heart, I felt how much he loved his church. And that blew me away. That is the thing that I'm still trying to analyze with this thing up here. I know I have to just receive it over here, but I'm trying to comprehend the length, the breadth, the depth, the height of the love of God for his people. And I can remember days after that praying, Lord, can you help me love your people like you love them? Because I do love people. I love people, but I didn't know to what extent I love them. Are you with me? So I started to really, <laughs> I started praying. I said, Lord, can you help me? I want to love people the way you love them. Now, that doesn't mean say you don't put up with rubbish. Are you with me? I'm not putting up with your nonsense doctrine. I'm still going to love you. Amen. The heart of God for his people is something that when it overwhelms you, because let me talk about some of the characteristics of his heart. Compassionate. He's compassionate, which 
Compassion is not sympathy. You've heard me tell you this before. People, they're very sympathetic, and they, oh, oh, so, oh I'm so sorry. And they're sympathetic, but sympathy does nothing. Sympathy starts a GoFundMe. Are you with me? <laughs> Sympathy, sympathy, sympathy gives two dollars to go fund me. Sympathy, <laughs> like, sympathy does nothing. Sympathy is just like I'm sorry, but I'm busy. I'm sorry, but I'm busy. Compassion moves. Compassion is is greater than being sorry for somebody. Compassion comes and gets involved in the person's life to the place where you actually put yourself in harm's way, you actually get dirty, you actually get covered in blood, you actually are in harm's way. That's why the whole thing, what well, we're going to lock down now, you can't get with people because they're all infectious and you might get a disease. Excuse me, I'm a pastor. I have authorization to come in here. I'm walking in here, I'm going to lay my hands upon these people and they're going to go, well, you're going to die. I'm not going to die. I'm under orders from above to lay hands on the sick. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Compassionate. He's full of compassion. He's merciful. So the way I look at it is that the heart of a father or the heart of a heavenly father is when you've come to the end of yourself, then God says, okay, now I'll take over now. So somebody said, I've had it with that person. I've had it up to here. You, you always do it here. I've had it up to here, you know. And then you think, because you've had it up here, God's finished with him. No, he's not, because you only that tall. He's much bigger than you. Are you so when you've, when you've had it up to here, you're only up to his big toe. Are you with me? He's got a lot more room to handle the people. So when you've run out of compassion, when you've run out of mercy, that's where his compassion and mercy begins. He's slow to anger. When he gets angry now. But he's very slow to anger. And just because a preacher is angry doesn't mean to say God's angry. Are you with me? What's a preacher? And people think, oh my God, I went to church today. God's really upset. No, it's just the pastor. He got stung on his rear end by a murder hornet. And God's not angry. I heard one preacher say, God's very angry right now. I thought, what are you talking about? Because you put on CNN and you heard something, now you think God's angry? Give me a break. And God's really angry. Oh, you talked to him? He told you that he was angry? Huh? People, people get a hold of... Um, Jonathan Edwards' sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And they try to preach that, hoping that they'll even have a smidgen of results that he had. Jonathan Edwards had an anointing. You don't have anything. You might be a great orator. He's compassionate. Say this often to me. Compassionate, merciful, slow to anger, righteous, Holy and just. That's, that means there's no this way, that way with God. Well, God changed his mind. I know he said that yesterday, but, you know, it's a new day, and the Lord changed his mind. That's why I get really irritated when I hear preachers saying, what's God saying? Now, can you, can you speak into, can you speak into what God is saying in this season? I said the same thing he said last season. What do you mean speak into? Like suddenly now, it's going to be something new you never heard before because God suddenly says, you know, it is 2022. <laughs> God doesn't work by your calendar, man. Are you kidding me? 
I'd really like you to speak to the leaders about what God is saying in this season. <laughs> Same thing he said last season, you know. <laughs> Preach the word, cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, occupy till I come. It is. It didn't change. Nothing changed. God is not a man. He doesn't operate like we do. You're the one that goes to sleep. He never sleeps. God's not sleeping. You never pray and, 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 and the angel will interrupt the phone call and say, listen, he's unavailable. He's tired. He's sleeping. And you, know, oh, you watch this, how's it going? Not good. Well, I needed a miracle, and I went to pray, and, and, and the angel said, God's tired and just needs some rest. He said, come back tomorrow. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Can you say amen? And to his children, his heart of compassion is the same. You're not going to get him any more compassionate because people think, if I pray harder, then God will have more compassion. No, he already has the compassion to you. If you pray harder, maybe your thick head will get out of the way and your heart will explode with suddenly you have a realization of how compassionate he is and you'll begin to receive it and you'll begin to walk in it. Then you go and tell everybody, I'll tell you what, if you're going to walk in the compassion of God, you need to pray 10 hours a day. I did that for 500 days. <laughs> and then the Lord, no, that's not how it works. You're the one that grows in grace. You're the one that sees through a glass darkly. You're one that knows in part and prophesy in part. You're the one that has to grow in the grace of God and begin to understand and comprehend with all the saints the breadth, the length, the depth, the height of the love of God, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. It's not, it's not a works program. The last thing we want to do is put you through a works program. We'll tell you what to do, but when you burden down with the works, somebody says, how are you doing? I tell you, I was doing fine. I got on fire for God. I went down there to the river, and they put all these burdens on me, and I got all these things I have to do every hour on the hour. Come on. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. Yeah, the Lord doesn't mind if you go to sleep. I'll tell the Lord, yeah, I'm tired right now. Can I actually sleep? Is it okay? Yeah, go sleep. And then he talks to you in your sleep. Compassionate. Everybody say compassionate. compassionate. Merciful. Merciful. Slow, to Slow to anger. Righteous. Righteous. Holy. Holy. Just. So, when he said to me, he said, I'm sifting my people. He said, I'm getting them ready for my coming because they're not ready for my coming. But I love them so much, I'm going to get them ready. That's what, when I begin to realize, boy, you know nothing. I'm talking about myself. I, I realized, I know nothing. Because if it was up to me, I said, Lord, just come, forget about them. <laughs> just forget about them. But he said, no, I love them. And I'm going to get them ready for my coming. And then I, when I was exposed to his heart, I started praying that he would make my heart to be like his. Which I'm not saying he's done it. I, never, I didn't say he's already accomplished it. He's working on it. Are you with me? Just so you know, because I don't think I've arrived but he, I'm a whole lot better, I'm a whole lot further than I used to be. Can you say amen? And by his grace, he's going to do the rest before he takes me home. I don't want the Lord to fix it when I'm on the other side. Okay, now, I want him to do it now. You know, can you give it to me now when I'm on the earth? Your heart. Let me see people the way you see people. 
A father loves his children. He wants what's best for them and will go out of his way to protect them and care for them. Isn't that right? Is there anything that you wouldn't do for, for your girls? I mean, even if it meant laying down your life. Okay, so our Heavenly Father has already laid down the best for us, and there's absolutely nothing that He wouldn't do in order to look after His children. That's how much He loves us. Because if we being evil, the Bible says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father not give good gifts to them than ask? So He loves you. He loves you. So, Say this out loud. Say, Lord, can you let me love people the way you love them? Just close your eyes, put your hand on your heart, and just say, Lord, help me to love people the way you love them. Help me to see people the way you see people. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he has quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved and has raised us up together in heavenly places in Christ. I can't find anything higher than that anywhere in the Scripture. I mean, <laughs> you were dead in trespasses and sins, and then he quickened you, made you alive, and you're now seated with Christ in heavenly places. What more do you want? So he said, I need to really pray. For what? Hello? Knock, knock, knock. Hello? Anybody home? What are you praying for? Well, I really just pray that the Lord would come nearer to me. No, you, you were already seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. That's your position. That's where you're seated right now. Amen. Amen. You don't even know what he's done for you. You're listening to too many internet preachers preaching from their mama's basement. <laughs> I don't care if they call themselves an apostle. Stop listening to nonsense. Say this often to me, he's raised us up, raised us up. Together, together in heavenly places. That's the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father raised you up and seated you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Happy Father's Day. All right, now I've been talking about your Heavenly Father, so let's bring this a little bit down to earth here, okay? Let's talk about a godly, earthly father. How many godly fathers do we have in the room here today? Wave your hand at me. All right, let me talk a little bit about the characteristics of a godly father that has compassion and is merciful, slow to anger, which that's something you have to work on, righteous, holy, and just. Okay. First of all, a godly father loves the mother of his children. Are you with me? Because you one flesh with her. She's part of you. If you hate if you hate the one that is part of you, you actually hate yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Without getting too explicit, when a husband and wife come together in the marriage union of intercourse, their two spirits become one. You actually become one together. That's why it's wrong to go and sleep with every Tom, Dick, and Harry 
because you join your spirit to that person. Every person that you have intimacy with, you join your pers- yourself to that. That's why people end up with split personalities because they don't actually know who they are. Somebody said, well, oh, I'm in trouble. No, we break it off here today in Jesus' name, a new beginning. But from today, all of that is put away from you. Can you say amen? So, yeah, she's not my body. That's her body. I mean, if her toe hurts, but she is me. So, that's me. That We've been now, what? 40, 41 years in October. I mean, she is me. Somebody said, boy, she's prettier than you. Yep, thankfully. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy. <laughs> That's why I was attracted to her to begin with. Are you with me? I'm not stupid. I'm not blind. I can see. So, We are one together. And by our union together, three children came into being, Kirsten, then Kelly, and Kenneth. Now, we could have had more, and maybe we should have, but we felt that that was the right number. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, three children, whatever. I'm just playing with the number three. And... uh, (laughs) <laughs> Three strikes you out. <laughs> the first, second, third base, you know, what? I mean, we could play with the number three. But the bottom line is that we won together. That's the way God sees the marriage union. Now, as the Lord did that, he put the husband to be the head of the home. That's why a house that is run by the wife is a house that's out of it's out of sync. Are you with me? And basically, you know, that, <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to find the words to say because I don't want people to, you know, I'm not looking for anybody to have a divorce or whatever here, but really the man should be the head of the house. Now, obviously, some marriages end up wrong because the wife gets saved first, the husband's not saved. So now she's carrying him spiritually. You know, we understand all that. But let's just get back to a godly scenario, a godly setup. The wife is submitted to her own husband, and the husband's the head of the home. That doesn't mean, say, he runs around and barks orders. Are you with me? The wife is by his side, not under his feet. Are you with me? He doesn't just sit there and snap his finger and she jumps to whatever and, well, I'll tell you, you should just be in the kitchen. You should be barefoot and pregnant. (laughs) Because that's how a lot of some of the older guys felt, that the wife should just be in the kitchen. Get back in the kitchen, woman, you know. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, you've seen it in some, some of the culture. But it shouldn't be this American woman's liberation thing, whether we don't need men, I don't need a man, all that kind of stuff. Um, No, maybe you are independent, but in order for the family to function the way God ordained it to function, it has to be a husband and a wife. That's the way it works, a male and a female. The only two genders. Are you with me? And you've heard me say this before. There's a book out, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And all the other 57 genders are from Uranus. So I just thought I'd throw that out because we're talking about planets there, Mars, Venus, and Uranus. All right. But it is impossible. (laughs) It is impossible for a family to produce naturally when those two genders are not involved. Are you with me? And those two genders come together by God as God ordained it. He made Adam and then he made Eve. God ordained that. Man hates that. 
Man wants to come up with his own concept of creation. Man wants to come up with everything that's outside, that's so foreign to the heart of God. And everything the devil touches, he perverts, and he wants to break down. He wants to change a man's very um, emotional state to operate in the wrong way, and the same with a woman, and so mess everything up. And that's what we're seeing in the earth today. And I'm not saying that by any way. I'm not even near judging anybody. I'm trying to tell you what's scriptural and what's not scriptural. I'm trying to tell you what's godly and what's not godly. So we understand that, and we've seen many miracles happen in the area of this, where God has healed marriages, and marriages that were out of sync came into the right alignment, and somebody said, yeah, but I've been married so long, surely nothing could be corrected. No, God can give you a miracle, and God can give you the marriage that you always desired if you're both willing to work at it and allow the Lord to do a work on the inside of your life. God can do that. We have many, many testimonies of that that took place. I know that your testimony is huge in how God worked a miracle with both of you. Because you were in charge at one time, weren't you? She tried to be in charge at one time. But God gave them a miracle. And there's many situations that were out of sync. But God knows how to bring it in if we submit to him. So the father's character, he loves, he loves the mother of his children. And loves his children. Now, you might be here today and your father say, you say, my children irritate me. I'm telling you right now, they just irritate me. Part of what you're seeing is you're seeing yourself. So what you're getting irritated with is you. Hello. The thing that drives you crazy about your children is you are looking at a mirror image of yourself. And what bothers you about it is you realize, especially when they're younger and they get older, then you think, oh, no. Then you remember your teens and think, oh, God, they're going to have to go through that. And then even through all the phases of life, it doesn't change. Even when they're newly married, even when they get older. So a lot of things that causes you, and I say this to the woman as well, because, you know, you deal with your daughter and you're upset because my daughter, she's just, she can't help herself. She is a carbon copy. She is just like you. So that's why you have to even have more compassion and say, God, please, can you help me? Because I, I needed compassion when I was this age because, Lord, I was stupid and I made a lot of mistakes. And now you're going to help me help them so they don't make the same mistakes. And that means you have to stop everything you're doing, sit them down and say, listen, can, I, can we talk? And a father does this. The father sits the kids down and says, look, let's have a chat. And don't, you don't do it angry. I mean, there's times you might get angry, but that's not the time. When you're angry, it's not the time to try to sort anything out because then you just end up shouting and the kids end up shouting and there's a big problem. But to actually sit down, have patience and say, okay, now let me just say this. This is wrong because of this, 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 and this. And then you actually show them the right way of doing the whatever it is. A father, a godly father is hardworking. A godly father, I must say this, is not somebody that doesn't want to work. A godly father is not somebody that just wants to sit at home and take money from the government on a daily basis. Let me tell you right now, I don't care what the government gives you, but let me tell you, if you think that that's going to help you in the long run, you're actually signing your death warrant. You should actually tell the government, I don't want any of your money. I want to work, and I want to take my talents, my gifts, and I'm going to multiply them. Even if what I have is less than what you want to give me, I, I, I must control the destiny of my wife and my children. It cannot be the hands of the government. Are you with me? Because first of all, sitting at home, robs you of your dignity, robs you of creativity, robs you of everything that God wanted to do in and through your life. Somebody says, yeah, but I've got all the bills paid. Yeah, but is it just about paying the bills? Or is it about 
fulfilling what God has placed on the inside of you. Because even if you have all your bills paid, you will never break through the ceilings. You'll never climb the mountains. You'll never cross the rivers. You'll never forge the valleys. Are you with me? You'll never conquer what God has for your life because you're being paid. You're being paid. You're like a hamster in a wheel that just goes round and round. They bring you your nuts every day, and you shove them in your cheeks, and you sit there eating your nuts. Now, I'm telling you, listen, you don't want to do that. All you end up doing is going round and round in circles. But God's got greater things than for you to just be in some kind of a cage going round and round in circles. Are you with me? So everybody say hardworking. And a person that takes time. You have to take time with your wife. You have to take time to spend time with your wife. Why? To get on the same page. Some said, we do. We get into bed every night. We're on the same page. No, that's the one area. You have to talk. You have to communicate. There's a lot of effort. That means you've got to switch the television off. Put the remote down. You have to look her in the eyes. You have to say, speak freely. <laughs> and you have to listen. And then she needs to listen. The intricacies of a woman. I mean, I think God made man very simple. <laughs> you, give him, you give him food, he's happy. You know what I mean? <laughs> a man's got like, like two switches, you know, like whatever. A woman has got, it looks like a complicated flying machine with, with every graph and everything, you got to calibrate, calculate, and if you press one wrong button, then an alarm goes off, and uh, uh, emergency, emergency, fire in the hold. You know, what did I do? Oh, my God. Uh. But sometimes the alarm is actually not an alarm. It's just they were, she was just testing the alarm to see that the alarm did work. And so you shouldn't react to it. It's just, it was not a false alarm, but she's running through the test. She's just checking the systems. I didn't realize that when we first got married, was I had to learn how to talk to her. And then she would, I always thought that my job was to come up with the solution. And I realized that's not your job. Your job is to shut up and listen. And she'll talk her way through whatever, whatever. And as she talks, it comes clearer to her and so at the end of the two hours, she's happy. you confused, but she's happy. She jumps up, kisses you, thank you, baby, thank you so much. And you're going, what? I didn't do anything. But you actually did. You just sat and listened. She just wanted you to listen. You don't have to come up with a solution. And then it's important for the father to get involved with the children so that everything's not just on the mother. Are you with me? To where she has to be the one to discipline. And I thank God for my dad and mom because they were like that. They were very strong and they never, we could never play them against each other. Are you with me? Like if I ran to my mom and said, what can what we do? She said, what did dad say? And then if I said, well, dad hasn't said anything right now, then she would make a decision. And then I'd go to my dad and I'd, I'd say, dad, I want to just 
asked him, I said, what did mom say? I said, mom said this, he said, then that's what you do. So they were never, we could never divide my dad and mom. Could never. Your mom said that? Oh, that's terrible. You, you could do this, Johnny. I know. That's the worst thing you can do, so you have to be that way to your children. Are you with me? Is this helping anybody here? Okay. So take time. Everybody say, take time. Then you set the example. Because the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they'll not depart from it. So it's not like, do as I say. They're going to do as you do. Are you with me? You could say everything right, but the child is going to do exactly what you do. There are imitators. Children are phenomenal imitators. And you don't even realize it right now, but you're actually imitating your heavenly father because you're going out and you're laying hands on the sick and you're going out and leading people to Jesus and getting people healed and delivered and set free. You're an imitator. Can you say amen? Why? Because that's what Jesus did. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. A godly father relies on the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to guide him in every situation of life. So a godly father is always asking himself, what does the Word say? And he goes straight to the Word. What does the Word say? And then ask the Holy Spirit, would you help me? Are you with me? You know, I was thinking about it because it's Father's Day today. My dad was an amazing man. He was an engineer. And my dad had a very short fuse. He did. And I listened to my dad when he was angry just because he was my dad. You never argued with him. If you wanted to be launched into the space program, <laughs> you opened your mouth. It wasn't good. You'd be in orbit like in five seconds, you know what I'm saying. And, uh, but I saw him under the anointing and I listened to him. So over the years, there were many situations in life, in ministry, that I didn't know what to do. And I would actually call my father or I'd see him and say, Dad, this is happening. What do you think? He would never answer me immediately. And I always knew that didn't mean to say he wasn't going to come up with a, with a plan or a thing. That just meant he was going to pray about it and we're going to get the mind of God. And I might see him a day later or there might be the pause on the phone, a pause silence, and then suddenly he speaks, and it's the word of the Lord. So when my dad left the earth and went home to be the Lord, that wasn't there. There would be many times when I thought, I wonder what to do right now, and I couldn't make the call. Are you with me? So then, of course, I mean, I was already in the full-time ministry. We are traveling around the world, and, you know, we'd seen God do great things. So I just said, okay, I don't have an earthly father to do that anymore, but my earthly father went to the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Not that I didn't go to the Holy Ghost, but I always used him as a sounding board. Are you with me? Like a chick. This is what I'm feeling. What, what do you feel? And he would always confirm what the Holy Ghost was telling me. And so I realized that I didn't have that option anymore, that I just had to go straight to the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So it was a crazy time in your life to suddenly realize my dad's gone now. I can't make the call, but I know how to make the call, if you understand what I'm saying, because he taught me correctly. And that's what I endeavor to teach my children. And everyone that comes through this ministry, and I know there's a lot of people now that look at me in a father role, and that's wonderful and fine. I don't claim that over a lot of people, not because I couldn't, but I've seen a lot of people abuse that. And, and I hate that. I, I don't think that's right when you just claim stuff that's not even being given to you. But my job is to train everybody to hear from the Lord. You have the Word and you have the Holy Spirit and God's going to lead you and guide you because storms are going to come. 
Winds of adversity are going to blow, but the Lord has a way through for every single one of you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Now, let me wrap this up with this. If you go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, I just want to read to you what the Word says here, because then you realize it's not my opinion. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22, wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband's the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, the wives should be to their own husband in everything. Husband, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy without blemish, sword men to love their wives as their own body, for he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourish, nourisheth and cherisheth even the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave or join to his wife and the two shall be one flesh. That's why, let me just say this. When you get married, you've got to leave your parents, guys. And you have to tell your mother, you cannot stick your nose into my marriage. You can't run around telling my wife what to do. She's not your wife. She's not your daughter. She's my wife. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ's church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. I look at some woman, and they have no reverence for their husband. They just like snap at him. They wonder why their marriage is wrong. There's a scriptural way of doing it. There's a right way of doing it. There's a wrong way of doing it. And just getting remarried or finding somebody else doesn't mean to say it's going to get better. Are you with me? That's why you've got to make it work. And God will give you a miracle. He can't. And I'm not saying that sometimes you should say goodbye. I understand sometimes there's a lot of water under the bridge and things are in an abusive situation where it's just better to uh, walk away. But when you do, if God does bring a person along, you don't replicate the problems of the first situation. Children, chapter 6, verse 1, obey your parents of the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That's a scripture that I've hung on to for years because I really honored my father and mother. And I honor my mom-in-law. That's why I'm going to live old. Are you with me? And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So, um, you, can, you can tease your kids, but be careful you don't provoke them to anger. Are you with me? That means don't frustrate your children. Because they're looking to you. They're watching you very carefully. And when you provoke them to wrath, then they start questioning your motive. And you don't want your children questioning your motive. They must know beyond a shadow of a doubt you've got their back and you for them and you're on the side. Even if they do wrong, you still got to love them. Are you with me? So I believe over this church called the river, with good godly fathers that are here today, godly marriages, godly children, and there's absolutely nothing that you've been through that the Lord can give you a total miracle and to turn around in all of these things because we have many, many testimonies of people that came to the church sick, broke, busted, and disgusted with everything that was wrong, but the Lord turned everything around and three years later, you couldn't even recognize them. So great was the miracle. So 
We just want you to know that we love you and we salute all the fathers today. We're praying for you. We're praying over your life and for you that are watching by way of television. Amen. I just want everybody to bow your heads, if you would, please, right across the field. I pray that this message helped you today. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here on the field of dreams today under this beautiful pavilion, you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never said, Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life, I want to give you an opportunity right now to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're watching by way of television and you just flipping through the channels today, you're sitting at the house, and you got stuck on this service, and God's been speaking to you right now. There's a man watching right now. Your family's been in upheaval. And as I was preaching, you said, Lord, can you give me what he's talking about? And the Lord said, yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You can get what the preacher's speaking about today. If you are here today and you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, what would happen if today was your final day on the earth? You went home, put your head on your pillow, and in the middle of the night, you breathed out your last breath. Where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I want you to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And you don't need to go to devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid, the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all the guilty stains. Today, the power of sin will be broken from your life. The power of guilt and shame will be removed from your life. You might have come here one way, but you'll leave another way. Today, he calls you and he says, come. Will you come? Will you surrender to him? He will never force anything on you. He only comes where he's wanted. If that's you, will you surrender? He loves you. Maybe you've come on this field or you're tuning in today and you say, Pastor, I gave my life to the Lord in days gone by, but I've grown cold. I'm not serving God like I should, but today I want to come back. I want to fall in love with Jesus all over again. I want to have the joy of my salvation restored back to me. Today he calls you. Today he says, come unto me, all you that labor and have a laden, I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He calls you. Will you come? Will you come? Maybe it's something hidden. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust, the hidden things that clog the heart of man. But today he said, I'm going to take out the stony heart and put it in the heart of flesh. A new spirit, he says, I'll put within you. Will you surrender to him afresh? Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, a storm came against my life, a sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that rocked my world. But today, I want to come back. I want to come back. I feel the Lord calling me. You feel his heart pulling you to himself today. And then lastly, maybe you hear you tuning in and you say, Pastor, I love the Lord, but I'm not sure of my salvation. The devil's always lying to me, telling me that I'm not saved. But today, I want to make sure. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm a child of God. If this is you, right where you are, without any hesitation whatsoever, quickly, just put your hand up now and say, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Raise up high and say, yes, yes, today's my day. Today's my day of freedom. I'm not leaving the same way I came. In your homes, if you just put that hand up, somebody said, nobody can see me. The Lord can see you right where you are. He calls you. What you're feeling right now is his heart as he's pulling you to himself. And he says, come. Come. He stands with arms wide open and he says, Come. Will you surrender today? 
Once you've raised, you can put it down. I want everybody to look at me, if you would, please. On this far side over here, my right, your left, all the way through the back. You didn't raise your hand, but want to be included in the prayer. We're going to pray quickly. Put that hand up right now and say, include me. Wave it at me so I can see it. I see that hand right over there. Thank you. Anybody else? Anyone else? The middle section didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? This far side over here, on my left, your right, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Put your hand up right now and say, pray for me. I want every person that raised your hand, I want you to stand right now all across the field. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you and for you. I want you to bring your personal belongings and make your way down. Come stand right here. We're going to pray together. Come. Come. To follow Jesus. I have decided pray together. Yes. I want you to look at me, if you would, please. And you that are watching by way of television, as I pray with them, you pray with me. If you mean business with God, God means business with you. I want you to close your eyes, raise your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. And pray this together with me right now. Say, Father, I come to you, Father, I come to you. In, the name in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead, I will be saved. So, Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart, put in a heart of flesh, wash me, cleanse me, change me, fill me, use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. 
Thank you that on the third day you rose for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this day on, I'll never be the same again. I confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I am saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. Now, Father, I pray that you would seal them now by your blood and by your spirit, that on that day not one would be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them to impact this generation, we pray. I break every bondage, every addiction. I break it now, every curse. I break it. I send it back to this place of origin. That you would go where the knife of man cannot go. You would bind up the broken heart. Let the oppressed go free. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard-Brown or for additional resources, visit revival.com.